Please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Micah. We are going to begin today in Micah chapter 6, looking at verses 6 through 8, and then we'll um, reference and talk about other scriptures as we go through. Um, Just a couple things before we begin. Um, There is, remember, there's a sign-up sheet for the directory out there. It's going to be collected today and then um, adjusted and printed as as necessary moving forward. So today's your last chance to double-check and to make sure it's there. And uh, um, my Sunday night Bible study people, I meant to announce this earlier, we will not have Bible study tonight. So um, please keep that in mind as your afternoon goes. So please read with me as we begin in Micah chapter 6, beginning in verse 6. And just for context here, the Lord has been stating his case against Israel, and we now have Israel responding. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of oils? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Let us pray. Our God and Father above, as we look at this passage, as we look at your word today, we do ask that you would give us guidance that you would correct us where necessary, that you would teach us where necessary, that you would rebuke us where necessary, and that you would train us for righteousness through your word today. As we study this passage, help us to grow in our desire to love you and to love our neighbor. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So a couple months ago, as we were going through the book of Proverbs, we, I, I pointed out that the idea of justice, the idea of, of treating um, everybody equally without favor based upon their position, based upon their wealth, based upon their ethnicity, was a theme throughout the book of Proverbs. And I told you that you would get a mini-series on the idea of justice following or at some point in the book of Proverbs. And you are going to get a mini-series. It's just going to be a very mini mini-series. It will be a one-episode mini-series, and so today we are going to talk about justice. Um, it is, a, it is a, a subject that is prevalent in our culture today. It is a subject that is very divisive in our culture today, and it is a subject that many of us ask questions about. I know I have asked questions about it myself, and uh, I, I would assume that you do as well. My goal today is not to answer all the questions surrounding what is justice, how do we do justice, how do we pursue justice in our culture. My goal today is to give you some categories to think about and some questions to ask yourself as you seek to pursue justice, as you are convicted over justice, um, and as you seek to interact with people and with, with members of the government Um, regarding issues of justice. And so um, with that in mind, we are going to look at kind of a broad definition of what justice is, and then eight questions that we can ask ourselves, that you can ask yourself as you interact with other people surrounding um, the topic of justice in our world. So first, what is justice? And we're going to look at justice 
in light of three different understandings of the word and of the law of God. And so the first thing that we need to understand when we talk about justice in the Bible is that grammatically it is related to the concept of judging or ruling within the nation of Israel. Um, the, the, the root word that we typically translate justice in the Old Testament has connected to it the idea of rule or reign. It's something that the king was commanded to do. All people are to pursue justice within the culture, but it, it landed squarely upon the shoulder of the king in Israel as to whether Israel was a just or an unjust uh, community. When we think about government, when we think about ruling or reigning in our 21st century American context, we think of three branches of government. You have the legislative um, branch, which is supposed to make laws. The executive branch, which is supposed to execute or carry out or enforce those laws. And the judicial branch, who is supposed to interpret those laws based upon the founding documents. Now, I think very much in our current cultural context, and this is probably something for a later discussion, but those those responsibilities of those three branches have been crossed and confused, and you have judicial branch making law, you have legislative branch waiting for the judicial branch and the executive branch to to rule by fiat, and I've probably said too much, so we'll call, we'll, we'll get back into to things here. So, but the king in Israel was all three branches rolled up into one person. He was to make the law according to the law that God was given. He was to interpret the law according to the law that God had given. And he was to enforce or execute the law according to the law that God has given. And as he ruled, as he reigned, He was to keep his laws in line with God's law so there would be righteousness within the kingdom. And this leads us to the second thing that we need to consider as we consider justice is that it is related to the community and the community concept. Do you realize there's no such thing as individual justice? Justice is only an issue whenever two or more people are together. You know, if you're a kingdom of one, you just generally don't need to hopefully, you know, try and convict yourself over stealing from yourself. Hopefully you don't need to try and convict yourself for coveting things that you already own. It is only when we get into a community or into a group of people where we find that justice needs to be exercised. We we oftentimes pit true justice against social justice, and I understand the concepts there. But in reality, all justice is social justice because justice can only be done between communities and groups of people. So, so justice is, re, is related biblically to the ruling class, to the king. Justice is a community thing, and justice is related to righteousness. Now, there are several words for righteousness within the Old Testament, and one of them, much like ruling, is related to this root that we get the word justice for in the scriptures. Now, on a heavenly scale, there are two extremes. There's two extremes on an earthly scale as well, but there's no middle on a heavenly scale. You are either 
righteous before God or you are wicked before God. And he will judge each and every one of us equally according to his standard of what is right or wrong as he has laid out for us in the scriptures. And there's only one way on a heavenly scale to get from wicked to righteous. And that is to be given a righteousness that is alien to you and I. It is alien to you and I because we are steeped in sin. We are wicked before God because we are rebels. All have sinned. All fall short of the glory of God, according to Paul in Romans 3.23. So before God, we are all over here in the wicked category. Thanks be to God that he has provided the son, the second person of the Trinity who took on flesh, who lived a righteous life, who was obedient to every jot and tittle, every little detail of God's law in letter and in spirit, who took the punishment for those who have faith, who who put their trust in the, the finished work of Christ. He takes that righteousness and puts it upon them because he has taken their punishment upon him at the cross. And therefore, we can be righteous with God. But on an earthly scale, while we, may, while we still have righteousness on one end and wickedness on the other end, there is a scale in between there, a spectrum, if you will. On this end, you will have a, a, a country, a kingdom that will follow God's law, that will apply God's law well, and will treat everybody with fairness and equity. And on this end, you have the culture, the kingdom who has turned its back on God's law, who who stratifies their culture among class or economic status or ethnic status. And and this culture over here is deemed to be wicked and this culture over here is deemed to be righteous. And justice is the bridge that gets us from this side back over into righteousness. Justice is the tool that God has given to governments, to people, so that kingdoms can maintain righteousness or make corrections to kingdoms that have gone off course. In the Ten Commandments, God says, do not steal. That should be enough for humans, but God knows that it's not enough for humans. So in Exodus 20 and 22, God gives us punishments that limit or punish stealing so that the kingdom could be righteous. He does the same for murder, for adultery, for idolatry, for all of the law. And so in the pursuit of justice, God gives us several guidelines for the king to follow as he pursued justice in this ruling context, in this community context, and in this righteousness context. One, and both of these we looked at in Sunday school today, um, and so, uh, but both of these flow throughout scriptures. We saw both of these many times throughout the book of Proverbs. We read a little bit about one of them as we discussed, or as we read the book of James earlier. But the first is that work is prized in the pursuit of just justice. Many times in our culture, we look at poverty alleviation as a justice issue. And it may well be. But we can only pursue true poverty alleviation under the guidelines of the law, which did not make provision for unlimited handout. It made provision for farmers to leave part of their fields full of crops so that those who needed financial assistance could come and pick and harvest for themselves. And secondly, and and more importantly for our discussion today, not more important than work, but more important for our discussion today, was that favoritism was to be avoided like the plague. 
whether it's in the book of Deuteronomy as we study today in Deuteronomy 24 in Sunday school or in the book of Proverbs, all shot through the book of Proverbs, the king was not to take into consideration the economic, social, or ethnic status of the parties that were coming to him for justice. And I think that this is part of the pursuit of justice is what we feel most keenly in America today. Let's be honest with ourselves. Each and every one of us is a sinner. And each and every one of us looks at people and ranks them before we ever know them. We'll rank them on their looks. We'll rank them on their skin color. We'll rank them based upon um, their perceived economic status. And we make judgments on those people because of how they look and how we interpret in our mind. Now, there is some times where that is good. You're walking down the street in a dark alley in the middle of the night and you see some guy standing there that looks a little scruffy. It may be good to make some decisions about what you think about that person. But if he steps out and you find out that he's your best friend that you just didn't recognize in the dark and he's there to make sure you're safe and you're well taken care of, well, then you shift your view of that person. And oftentimes, because you and I are sinners, we do not shift our view of the people even when we get to know them. Or we make assumptions about them based on political affiliation, based on amount of money, based on where they live. Um, And we then keep those stereotypes and do not allow ourselves to get to know the people to find out that, hey, maybe they may not be that bad after all. I remember talking with a group of men in Lewisburg not long after I got here. And if you're from Rennick or Lewisburg, I apologize ahead of time for this story. I'm just relaying a story. But as we were sitting around over breakfast one morning, these this group of men were talking about how you can never trust anybody from Rennick. <laughs> Why Rennick, I don't know, but that was the city they picked on. And I sat there and I listened to it for a while. And I said, you know, the people outside the city limits of Lewisburg feel the same way about you. And they were taken back. They were aghast. They could not believe that just because they lived inside the city of limits of Lewisburg, that they could not be trusted. We do that all the time. And God says that is to be cursed. That is sin. To show favoritism to somebody just because they live in the north end of the county or the south end of the county, the east end of the county or the west end of the county. We get all worked up about race. We get all worked up about immigration. We get all worked up about these things that we're not even just to our neighbors. God says favoritism goes against his Law, his will, as we'll see in a few minutes, that is because he will not play favorites with us and he has created each and every one of us in his image. Regardless of your ethnicity, regardless of your economic status, regardless of whether you're from Rennick or Lewisburg, you are created in the image of God. And God says, do not play favorites with my image. As Christians, we are called to pursue justice, a true biblical justice in our culture and in our society, but we have to be careful about how we do it 
and how we define justice and how important it is to us. And in order to answer those questions, how do we pursue it? How important is it to us? I have eight questions I'm going to give you to ask yourself and maybe to ask others after you have done the searching of your heart to see how you move forward in the pursuit of justice. And before I go over these eight questions, I'm going to give credit where credit is due. These eight questions are an adaptation of 12 questions. See, I summarized for you. I gave you a little bit less. But an adaptation of 12 questions that Thaddeus Williams asked in his book, Confronting Injustice Without Compromising the Truth. And, you know, I would highly recommend this book to anybody who is seeking to try and figure out, okay, I I know that I need to pursue justice. What is justice and how do I pursue it in a way that honors and glorifies God? And so confronting injustice without compromising the truth. I'll I'll leave this sitting up here if you want to look at it later. Please don't take it. But um, this is not one of those freebies. I'm very stingy with my books, but if you do take it, that's okay. Um, But anyway, confronting injustice without compromising truth. So eight questions that you can begin to ask yourself about pursuing justice. Question number one, do you take the godhood of God seriously when you pursue justice? And what do I mean by that? Do you take the godhood of God seriously when you pursue justice? Do you search the scriptures to see how God defines justice? Do you search the scriptures and seek to interpret the world around you to imply, to apply the the precepts of scripture in a way that puts God first and not the other person or not justice itself? And will you seek and pursue and and all these, these questions under this one question are kind of different facets, different ways to look at the same question When you do pursue justice, do you do it in a way that honors God and follows his law? Most of the time in our culture, I think when we look at it, we see that justice twists God's law, sometimes around favoritism, sometimes out of seeking to bring equity and equality in a way that shows favoritism, which we'll talk about here in another few minutes. But do we take God seriously? We take who God is seriously when we pursue justice. The first question of the shorter catechism, what is man's chief end? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Does your pursuit of justice glorify God? Secondly, do you see the image of God in your fellow human being? I know... I don't know how many times, but it's happened at least once in my life. So that's way too many times where I have looked at somebody and I have prejudged them that they are not somebody would ever want to hang around with or be around because they think differently than I do. They look just like me. They're Caucasian, they're male, but you know, I know they voted differently than I did in the last election, so I'm not going to give them the time of day. One of them is one of my best friends right now. And thanks be to God that he pushed me into a situation in the community where I had to get to know him. And if I lost that friendship, my life would be less. 
we oftentimes categorize people when we should be seeing them as the image of God. So do we take God's godhood seriously? Do we see the image of God in our fellow human beings? Do we understand, question number three, do we understand that our identity is not rooted in created things? This is related to that question number two. God sees us as his image first, and then he identifies us as either being in Adam or in Christ second. How do we identify ourselves in our culture? Typically by color, sexuality, and gender. God says none of that matters. It's important I created you the way I created you. I created you to live according to my law. And those things are important, but when you stand before me, I'm not going to ask you, are you male or female? Who do you love? Where were your ancestors from? Or where are you from? What's the color of your skin? God's going to ask, are you seeking righteousness in Adam? Or are you seeking righteousness in Christ? Those are the only two identities that matter in our world, in our life. You are either a child of God or a slave to sin. You are either in Christ or in Adam. That's all that matters to God as far as our identity goes. Question number four. Is your pursuit of justice motivated by love, joy, and peace? Or is it motivated by suspicion, division, and rage? Miroslav Volf wrote a book. He came out of that that uh, Bosnian and Serbian situation where those two cultures were clashing against each other and and he was in the weaker of the two cultures. They were all Caucasian. They were all the same skin color, the same economic status. They lived within the same several hundred square mile area of Europe and yet you had these two groups of people split along the line of religion that were trying to utterly eliminate the other group of people. He came out of that and he wrote a book and said, how do I deal with that as somebody whose whose tribe was attempted to be eliminated? How do I seek reconciliation with the other? He said, I have a choice. Revenge or reconciliation? Most of our justice today is predicated on revenge. It's predicated on seeking to punish those that we deem worthy of punishment. And yet the scripture says we should pursue reconciliation rather than revenge. So is your pursuit of justice motivated by love, joy, and peace or by suspicion, division, and hatred? Number five, I know we're getting deep in the weeds here, but stick with me. Number five, do you see the problem as sin or the system? Our culture today says that we as human beings are inherently good and the problems with humanity in our culture is the is rooted in bad parenting and bad government systems. And because we were not raised and treated right by our parents and our government, we do bad things every now and then. And the the next step in that is that if we can get the right government system in place, humanity is perfectible. What happens when humanity tries to perfect humanity? A good bit of humanity gets eliminated. 
The Bible says that each of us is a sinner capable of great evil and in desperate need of a Savior. And that perfection only comes in the new heavens and the new earth. It's not wrong to say that I am totally depraved if I am truly totally depraved. It gives me the freedom to say, man, I know where that thought came from. I need to confess it and know that I am forgiven by God and I need to work on my holiness and I need to work on how I think about other people. If you don't believe in original sin, those thoughts scare you. Those desires can be carried out in pursuit of perfecting a culture. Number six. So number five was, do you see the problem to be sin or the system? Number six is, are you persuaded by truth or stories that fit the narrative? And the narrative can be on either side of the issue. When pundits make claims regarding justice issues, do you seek out the facts or do you allow yourself to be swept up by the narrative? I think the biggest example of this in our culture today is that police officers are targeting young men of African-American descent. Do you know that in our country, and these are FBI statistics, you are like 25% more likely to be shot by a police officer if you are unarmed, if you are white, than you are black. It's a significant difference. And yet the cultural narrative says that the police are out there willy-nilly shooting every African-American young man they can come across. That's called a violation of the ninth commandment. Thou shalt not bear false witness against your neighbor. So are you persuaded by truth or stories that fit the narrative? Number seven, are you making justice a gospel issue? Salvation is based in faith and trust in Jesus alone, by God's grace alone, as revealed in the scripture alone. For God's glory alone. God may call you to work for justice in your community. He may call me to work for something else in the community and people around you. That does not make you any more righteous or saved than me. You could, you shouldn't, but you could be truly saved and never once think about justice. And you are not any less saved than the person who has put their true their their full trust and faith in Jesus Christ and is out there working tirelessly for poverty alleviation for justice. <clears throat> and finally, I know I fall into this. I have a actually I fall into many of these. I know I do. I know you may as well in this last one. Do you only see your side of the justice issue? We call this today an echo chamber. And if you're on social media long enough, social media will feed you exactly what it thinks you want to hear. Which means that if you are on the conservative side of the political aisle, you are only going to hear and see things that agree with what you think. If you're on the liberal side of it, you are only going to see and hear things that agree with what you believe and think. We have to work to get outside of that echo chamber. And to look at these issues from the other side. To see that there might be the right pursuit. We might be pursuing the right things or the same things. We just see differently the path to get there. And from a human perspective, a middle ground can be found. So the eight questions, once again, real quick. 
Do you take the Godhood of God seriously? Do you see the image of God in your fellow human beings? Do you understand that identity is not rooted in created things? Is your pursuit of justice motivated by love, joy, and peace, or is it motivated by suspicion, division, and rage? Do you see the problem as sin or the system? Are you persuaded by truth or stories that fit the narrative? Are you making justice a gospel issue? And do you only see your side of the justice issue? So a couple things as we leave this sermon today. First, the world is going to tell you, if you're watching the news, the world is going to tell you, if you don't care about this, you're something less than a citizen or a human being. God may not call you to care as much about certain issues as other people do. And that's okay. You don't have to have the answer to every single issue that the nightly news or Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or, or whatever social media platform or wherever you get your news. You do not have to devote 110% of your energy to every single issue they tell you you have to. And that's okay. It's okay to pray about it. It's okay to move on and to focus on the things that God has called you to take care of. Number two, if you're going to pursue justice, you need to pursue God's justice, not our country's, not our culture's justice. Our culture has twisted justice to be almost might makes right. You are just if you are in charge. And if you're not in charge, you're not just. Our current pursuit of justice is still based on skin color. It's still based on gender. It's still based on sexuality. It's still based on religion. The script has just been flipped to where it's the white, Christian, straight male who is the problem in society. And not sin. Not all of us together. And I know I'm broad brushing here, but not by much. God says all of y'all are the problem. And you need a Savior. And until you realize that and seek reconciliation through the cross, nothing's going to change. Sinner's going to sin. On that note, let us pray. Our God and Father above, we do thank you for this reminder that when you call us to justice, you call us to your justice. And you call us to a justice that is only available through the cross, a reconciliation that is only comes through humility and a reconciliation that came through great loss and suffering and injustice. As we pursue justice in our culture, in our community, we do ask that you would help us to see you as God, to see our fellow human beings as created in the image of God, and to pursue your truth as we pursue justice. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Take this blessing upon you. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. And we pray with the saints. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen.
Please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Micah. We are going to begin today in Micah chapter 6, um, looking at verses 6 through 8, and then we'll um, reference and talk about other scriptures as we go through. Um, just a couple things before we begin. Um, there is, remember, there's a sign-up sheet for the directory out there. It's going to be collected today and then um, adjusted and printed as, as necessary moving forward. So today's your last chance to double-check and to make sure it's there. And uh, um, my Sunday night Bible study people, I meant to announce this earlier, we will not have Bible study tonight. So um, please keep that in mind as your afternoon goes. So please read with me as we begin in Micah chapter 6, beginning in verse 6. And just for context here, the Lord has been stating his case against Israel, and we now have Israel responding. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come to before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of oils? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Let us pray. Our God and Father above, as we look at this passage, as we look at your word today, we do ask that you would give us guidance that you would correct us where necessary, that you would teach us where necessary, that you would rebuke us where necessary, and that you would train us for righteousness through your word today. As we study this passage, help us to grow in our desire to love you and to love our neighbor. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So a couple months ago, as we were going through the book of Proverbs, we, I, I pointed out that the idea of justice, the idea of, of treating um, everybody equally without favor based upon their position, based upon their wealth, based upon their ethnicity, was a theme throughout the book of Proverbs. And I told you that you would get a mini-series on the idea of justice following or at some point in the book of Proverbs. And you are going to get a mini-series. It's just going to be a very mini mini-series. It will be a one-episode mini-series, and so today we are going to talk about justice. Um, it is, a, it is a, a subject that is prevalent in our culture today. It is a subject that is very divisive in our culture today, and it is a subject that many of us ask questions about. I know I have asked questions about it myself, and uh, I, I would assume that you do as well. My goal today is not to answer all the questions surrounding what is justice, how do we do justice, how do we pursue justice in our culture. My goal today is to give you some categories to think about and some questions to ask yourself as you seek to pursue justice, as you are convicted over justice, um, and as you seek to interact with people and with, with members of the government um, regarding issues of justice. And so um, with that in mind, we are going to look at kind of a broad definition of what justice is, and then eight questions that we can ask ourselves, that you can ask yourself as you interact with other people surrounding um, the topic of justice in our world. So first, what is justice? And we're going to look at justice 
in light of three different understandings of the word and of the law of God. And so the first thing that we need to understand when we talk about justice in the Bible is that grammatically it is related to the concept of judging or ruling within the nation of Israel. Um, the, the, the root word that we typically translate justice in the Old Testament has connected to it the idea of rule or reign. It's something that the king was commanded to do. All people are to pursue justice within the culture, but it, it landed squarely upon the shoulder of the king in Israel as to whether Israel was a just or an unjust uh, community. When we think about government, when we think about ruling or reigning in our 21st century American context, we think of three branches of government. You have the legislative um, branch, which is supposed to make laws. The executive branch, which is supposed to execute or carry out or enforce those laws. And the judicial branch, who is supposed to interpret those laws based upon the founding documents. Now, I think very much in our current cultural context, and this is probably something for a later discussion, but those, those responsibilities of those three branches have been crossed and confused, and you have judicial branch making law, you have legislative branch waiting for the judicial branch and the executive branch to, to rule by fiat, and I've probably said too much, so we'll, call, we'll, we'll get back into to things here. So, But the king in Israel was all three branches rolled up into one person. He was to make the law according to the law that God was given. He was to interpret the law according to the law that God had given. And he was to enforce or execute the law according to the law that God has given. And as he ruled, as he reigned, he was to keep his laws in line with God's law so that would be righteousness within the kingdom. And this leads us to the second thing that we need to consider as we consider justice is that it is related to the community and the community concept. Do you realize there's no such thing as individual justice? Justice is only an issue whenever two or more people are together. You know, if you're a kingdom of one, you just generally don't need to hopefully, you know, try and convict yourself over stealing from yourself. Hopefully you don't need to try and convict yourself for coveting things that you already own. It is only when we get into a community or into a group of people where we find that justice needs to be exercised. We, we oftentimes pit true justice against social justice, and I understand the concepts there. But in reality, all justice is social justice because justice can only be done between communities and groups of people. So, so justice is, re, is related biblically to the ruling class, to the king. Justice is a community thing, and justice is related to righteousness. Now, there are several words for righteousness within the Old Testament, and one of them, much like ruling, is related to this root that we get the word justice for in the scriptures. Now, on a heavenly scale, there are two extremes. There's two extremes on an earthly scale as well, but there's no middle on a heavenly scale. You are either 
righteous before God or you are wicked before God and he will judge each and every one of us equally according to his standard of what is right or wrong as he has laid out for us in the scriptures. And there's only one way on a heavenly scale to get from wicked to righteous. And that is to be given a righteousness that is alien to you and I. It is alien to you and I because we are steeped in sin. We are wicked before God because we are rebels. All have sinned. All fall short of the glory of God, according to Paul in Romans 3.23. So before God, we are all over here in the wicked category. Thanks be to God that he has provided the son, the second person of the Trinity who took on flesh, who lived a righteous life, who was obedient to every jot and tittle, every little detail of God's law in letter and in spirit, who took the punishment for those who have faith, who who put their trust in the, the finished work of Christ. He takes that righteousness and puts it upon them because he has taken their punishment upon him at the cross. And therefore, we can be righteous with God. But on an earthly scale, while we, may, while we still have righteousness on one end and wickedness on the other end, there is a scale in between there, a spectrum, if you will. On this end, you will have a, a, a country, a kingdom that will follow God's law, that will apply God's law well, and will treat everybody with fairness and equity. And on this end, you have the culture, the kingdom who has turned its back on God's law, who who stratifies their culture among class or economic status or ethnic status. And, and is this culture over here is deemed to be wicked and this culture over here is deemed to be righteous. And justice is the bridge that gets us from this side back over into righteousness. Justice is the tool that God has given to governments, to people, so that kingdoms can maintain righteousness or make corrections to kingdoms that have gone off course. In the Ten Commandments, God says, do not steal. That should be enough for humans, but God knows that it's not enough for humans. So in Exodus 20 and 22, God gives us punishments that limit or punish stealing so that the kingdom could be righteous. He does the same for murder, for adultery, for idolatry, for all of the law. And so in the pursuit of justice, God gives us several guidelines for the king to follow as he pursued justice in this ruling context, in this community context, and in this righteousness context. One, and both of these we looked at in Sunday school today, um, and so, uh, but both of these flow throughout scriptures. We saw both of these many times throughout the book of Proverbs. We read a little bit about one of them as we discussed, or as we read the book of James earlier. But the first is that work is prized in the pursuit of just justice. Many times in our culture, we look at poverty alleviation as a justice issue. And it may well be. But we can only pursue true poverty alleviation under the guidelines of the law, which did not make provision for unlimited handout. It made provision for farmers to leave part of their fields full of crops so that those who needed financial assistance could come and pick and harvest for themselves. And secondly, and and more importantly for our discussion today, not more important than work, but more important for our discussion today, was that favoritism was to be avoided like the plague. 
whether it's in the book of Deuteronomy as we study today in Deuteronomy 24 in Sunday school or in the book of Proverbs, all shot through the book of Proverbs, the king was not to take into consideration the economic, social, or ethnic status of the parties that were coming to him for justice. And I think that this is part of the pursuit of justice is what we feel most keenly in America today. Let's be honest with ourselves. Each and every one of us is a sinner. And each and every one of us looks at people and ranks them before we ever know them. We'll rank them on their looks. We'll rank them on their skin color. We'll rank them based upon um, their perceived economic status. And we make judgments on those people because of how they look and how we interpret in our mind. Now, there is some times where that is good. You're walking down the street in a dark alley in the middle of the night and you see some guy standing there that looks a little scruffy. It may be good to make some decisions about what you think about that person. But if he steps out and you find out that he's your best friend that you just didn't recognize in the dark and he's there to make sure you're safe and you're well taken care of, well, then you shift your view of that person. And oftentimes, because you and I are sinners, we do not shift our view of the people even when we get to know them. Or we make assumptions about them based on political affiliation, based on amount of money, based on where they live. Um, And we then keep those stereotypes and do not allow ourselves to get to know the people to find out that, hey, maybe they may not be that bad after all. I remember talking with a group of men in Lewisburg not long after I got here. And if you're from Rennick or Lewisburg, I apologize ahead of time for this story. I'm just relaying a story. But as we were sitting around over breakfast one morning, these this group of men were talking about how you can never trust anybody from Rennick. <laughs> Why Rennick, I don't know, but that was the city they picked on. And I sat there and I listened to it for a while. And I said, you know, the people outside the city limits of Lewisburg feel the same way about you. And they were taken back. They were aghast. They could not believe that just because they lived inside the city of limits of Lewisburg, that they could not be trusted. We do that all the time. And God says that is to be cursed. That is sin to show favoritism to somebody just because they live in the north end of the county or the south end of the county, the east end of the county or the west end of the county. We get all worked up about race. We get all worked up about immigration. We get all worked up about these things that we're not even just to our neighbors. God says favoritism goes against his Law, his will, as we'll see in a few minutes, that is because he will not play favorites with us and he has created each and every one of us in his image. Regardless of your ethnicity, regardless of your economic status, regardless of whether you're from Rennick or Lewisburg, you are created in the image of God. And God says, do not play favorites with my image. As Christians, we are called to pursue justice, a true biblical justice in our culture and in our society, but we have to be careful about how we do it 
and how we define justice and how important it is to us. And in order to answer those questions, how do we pursue it? How important is it to us? I have eight questions I'm going to give you to ask yourself and maybe to ask others after you have done the searching of your heart to see how you move forward in the pursuit of justice. And before I go over these eight questions, I'm going to give credit where credit is due. These eight questions are an adaptation of 12 questions. See, I summarized for you. I gave you a little bit less. But an adaptation of 12 questions that Thaddeus Williams asked in his book, Confronting Injustice Without Compromising the Truth. And, you know, I would highly recommend this book to anybody who is seeking to try and figure out, okay, I, I know that I need to pursue justice. What is justice and how do I pursue it in a way that honors and glorifies God? And so confronting injustice without compromising the truth. I'll, I'll leave this sitting up here if you want to look at it later. Please don't take it. But um, this is not one of those freebies. I'm very stingy with my books, but if you do take it, that's okay. Um, but anyway, confronting injustice without compromising truth. So eight questions that you can begin to ask yourself about pursuing justice. Question number one, do you take the Godhead, Godhood of God seriously when you pursue justice? And what do I mean by that? Do you take the Godhood of God seriously when you pursue justice? Do you search the scriptures to see how God defines justice? Do you search the scriptures and seek to interpret the world around you to imply, to apply the, the precepts of scripture in a way that puts God first and not the other person or not justice itself? And will you seek and pursue and, and all these, these questions under this one question are kind of different facets, different ways to look at the same question when you do pursue justice, do you do it in a way that honors God and follows his law? Most of the time in our culture, I think when we look at it, we see that justice twists God's law, sometimes around favoritism, sometimes out of seeking to bring equity and equality in a way that shows favoritism, which we'll talk about here in another few minutes. But do we take God seriously? We take who God is seriously when we pursue justice. The first question of the shorter catechism, what is man's chief end? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Does your pursuit of justice glorify God? Secondly, do you see the image of God in your fellow human being? I know... I, I don't know how many times, but it's happened at least once in my life, so that's way too many times, where I have looked at somebody and I have prejudged them that they are not somebody I would ever want to hang around with or be around because they think differently than I do. They look just like me. They're Caucasian. They're male. But, you know, I know they voted differently than I did in the last election, so I'm not going to give them the time of day. One of them is one of my best friends right now. And thanks be to God that he pushed me into a situation in the community where I had to get to know him. And if I lost that friendship, my life would be less. 
we oftentimes categorize people when we should be seeing them as the image of God. So do we take God's godhood seriously? Do we see the image of God in our fellow human beings? Do we understand, question number three, do we understand that our identity is not rooted in created things? This is related to that question number two. God sees us as his image first, and then he identifies us as either being in Adam or in Christ second. How do we identify ourselves in our culture? Typically by color, sexuality, and gender. God says none of that matters. It's important I created you the way I created you. I created you to live according to my law. And those things are important, but when you stand before me, I'm not going to ask you, are you male or female? Who do you love? Where were your ancestors from? Or where are you from? What's the color of your skin? God's going to ask, are you seeking righteousness in Adam? Or are you seeking righteousness in Christ? Those are the only two identities that matter in our world, in our life. You are either a child of God or a slave to sin. You are either in Christ or in Adam. That's all that matters to God as far as our identity goes. Question number four. Is your pursuit of justice motivated by love, joy, and peace? Or is it motivated by suspicion, division, and rage? Miroslav Volf wrote a book. He came out of that that uh, Bosnian and Serbian situation where those two cultures were clashing against each other. And, and he was in the weaker of the two cultures. They were all Caucasian. They were all the same skin color, the same economic status. They lived within the same several hundred mile, square mile area of Europe. And yet you had these two groups of people split along the line of religion that were trying to utterly eliminate the other group of people. He came out of that and he wrote a book and said, how do I deal with that as somebody whose, whose tribe was attempted to be eliminated? How do I seek reconciliation with the other? He said, I have a choice. Revenge or reconciliation? Most of our justice today is predicated on revenge. It's predicated on seeking to punish those that we deem worthy of punishment. And yet the scripture says we should pursue reconciliation rather than revenge. So is your pursuit of justice motivated by love, joy, and peace, or by suspicion, division, and hatred? Number five, I know we're getting deep in the weeds here, but stick with me. Number five, do you see the problem as sin or the system? Our culture today says that we as human beings are inherently good, and the problems with humanity in our culture is, the, is rooted in bad parenting and bad government systems. And because we were not raised and treated right by our parents and our government, we do bad things every now and then. And the, the next step in that is that if we can get the right government system in place, humanity is perfectible. What happens when humanity tries to perfect humanity? A good bit of humanity gets eliminated. 
The Bible says that each of us is a sinner capable of great evil and in desperate need of a Savior. And that perfection only comes in the new heavens and the new earth. It's not wrong to say that I am totally depraved if I am truly totally depraved. It gives me the freedom to say, man, I know where that thought came from. I need to confess it and know that I am forgiven by God and I need to work on my holiness and I need to work on how I think about other people. If you don't believe in original sin, those thoughts scare you. Those desires can be carried out in pursuit of perfecting a culture. Number six. So number five was, do you see the problem to be sin or the system? Number six is, are you persuaded by truth or stories that fit the narrative? And the narrative can be on either side of the issue. When pundits make claims regarding justice issues, do you seek out the facts or do you allow yourself to be swept up by the narrative? I think the biggest example of this in our culture today is that police officers are targeting young men of African-American descent. Do you know that in our country, and these are FBI statistics, you are like 25% more likely to be shot by a police officer if you are unarmed, if you are white, than you are black. It's a significant difference. And yet the cultural narrative says that the police are out there willy-nilly shooting every African-American young man they can come across. That's called a violation of the ninth commandment. Thou shalt not bear false witness against your neighbor. So are you persuaded by truth or stories that fit the narrative? Number seven, are you making justice a gospel issue? Salvation is based in faith and trust in Jesus alone, by God's grace alone, as revealed in the scripture alone, for God's glory alone. God may call you to work for justice in your community. He may call me to work for something else in the community and people around you. That does not make you any more righteous or saved than me. You could, you shouldn't, but you could be truly saved and never once think about justice. And you are not any less saved than the person who has put their true their their full trust and faith in Jesus Christ and is out there working tirelessly for poverty alleviation for justice. <clears throat> and finally, I know I fall into this. I have a actually I fall into many of these. I know I do. I know you may as well in this last one. Do you only see your side of the justice issue? We call this today an echo chamber. And if you're on social media long enough, social media will feed you exactly what it thinks you want to hear, which means that if you are on the conservative side of the political aisle, you are only going to hear and see things that agree with what you think. If you're on the liberal side of it, you are only going to see and hear things that agree with what you believe and think. We have to work to get outside of that echo chamber and to look at these issues from the other side, to see that there might be the right pursuit, we might be pursuing the right things or the same things, we just see differently the path to get there. And from a human perspective, a middle ground can be found. So the eight questions, once again, real quick. 
Do you take the Godhood of God seriously? Do you see the image of God in your fellow human beings? Do you understand that identity is not rooted in created things? Is your pursuit of justice motivated by love, joy, and peace, or is it motivated by suspicion, division, and rage? Do you see the problem as sin or the system? Are you persuaded by truth or stories that fit the narrative? Are you making justice a gospel issue? And do you only see your side of the justice issue? So a couple things as we leave this sermon today. First, the world is going to tell you, if you're watching the news, the world is going to tell you, if you don't care about this, you're something less than a citizen or a human being. God may not call you to care as much about certain issues as other people do. And that's okay. You don't have to have the answer to every single issue that the nightly news or Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or or whatever social media platform or wherever you get your news. You do not have to devote 110% of your energy to every single issue they tell you you have to. And that's okay. It's okay to pray about it. It's okay to move on and to focus on the things that God has called you to take care of. Number two, if you're going to pursue justice, you need to pursue God's justice, not our country's, not our culture's justice. Our culture has twisted justice to be almost might makes right. You are just if you are in charge. And if you're not in charge, you're not just. Our current pursuit of justice is still based on skin color. It's still based on gender. It's still based on sexuality. It's still based on religion. The script has just been flipped to where it's the white, Christian, straight male who is the problem in society. And not sin. Not all of us together. And I know I'm broad brushing here, but not by much. God says all of y'all are the problem. And you need a Savior. And until you realize that and seek reconciliation through the cross, nothing's going to change. Sinner's going to sin. On that note, let us pray. Our God and Father above, we do thank you for this reminder that when you call us to justice, you call us to your justice. You call us to a justice that is only available through the cross, a reconciliation that is only comes through humility and a reconciliation that came through great loss and suffering and injustice. As we pursue justice in our culture, in our community, we do ask that you would help us to see you as God, to see our fellow human beings as created in the image of God, and to pursue your truth as we pursue justice. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Take this blessing upon you. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. And we pray with the saints, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen.